morning, everyone. How's it going today? All right. Good to see you guys. Your bright, smiling, happy, shining faces. Hey, I wanted to, uh, before we get started with the message today, share some important news, some big changes in Bethany in my life. Uh, we got a new family member this week, and uh, this is Cricket, our dog that we got this week, and yes, we love her. She's wonderful. She's the best. I feel like God brought her into our life. We had just literally got her like maybe 30 minutes before, so she has a bit of that panicked look like, where's my mom? Uh, who, who are these people that have kidnapped me? But she has really taken to us, and uh, she's a great dog, and uh, we're excited. It's been 10 years without, without a dog, and uh, 10 years, long, long years with just three kids, just, <laughs> so obviously nothing going on, and <laughs> but uh, we're, we're excited to have Cricket, so just wanted to share that with you guys. Exciting. Uh, moving on, we're, we're, we're in a series called Rocket Fuel, and the whole series is about connecting with God, that He uh, is the fuel of our lives not in some mechanical way. Uh, obviously, this is metaphorical, uh, analogous, but God, God's presence is that driving, illuminating, inspiring force in our life, and we are designed to function in relationship with Him, to have a dynamic, interactive, intimate relationship with God. And as Christians, and if you're not a Christian here today, welcome, and, and I think this will be for you too, but, but as Christians, I, I, I know that I struggle with this, and I believe other people do too, and I know they do because I've had many conversations with people just sort of feeling like there's something missing in their, in their Christian life in this relationship with God, specifically about this interactive kind of relational part, hearing the voice of God, prayer life, these types of things. And so we're digging into that in this series. But we need to start with some foundational truth, which is, number one, God wants a relationship with you more than you ever could or do want a relationship with Him. And He's not trying to, to hide, and He's not trying to be inscrutable, and He's not trying to uh, confuse you and make you jump through hoops to get to him. One of the things we need to understand is that God is a spirit. God is completely other. Uh, there is a, a barrier between the physical world and the spiritual world. Those are both part of reality, but there is the otherness of God, the holiness of God. God doesn't just show up. You know, people would say, well, if he, he wants to talk to me, he just he knows my address. He can just show up. I guarantee you wouldn't want him to do that. Because if he manifested himself or shows up right in that moment, you might as well have a nuclear bomb go off in your neighborhood for as much of a relationship as you're going to have. And so God deals with us through, you know, the people will say this in kind of that colloquial, colloquial way, the Lord works in mysterious ways. But there's deep wisdom in that, in that God is reaching and grasping and, and offering himself to us and, and uh, speaking to us and interacting in our world. But it's often in ways that we can either miss or ignore based on where we are, but he's not trying to make it hard for us to know him. He does speak to our spirit. He does speak to us. He does operate through the world. And I think one of the ways we can prove that God is interested in reaching humanity and interested in a relationship with us is by simply looking at the cross. And Jesus could have stayed in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Everything could be hunky-dory. They could have been like, well, the human experiment didn't work. Let's move on. We are God after all. You know what I mean? Like they could have done this, but he said, I'm, I'm going to invade their story. And we see that in the Christian faith, it's the inversion of what we see in most world religions, which is not man's quest for God, man's climb of the ladder uh, of, of good behavior and, and morality and so on and so forth to achieve nirvana or heaven or whatever, enlightenment, but it is rather God stepping into human form, climbing down the ladder, coming right down into our story and interacting with us and bringing salvation. God is interested in relationship with you. Jesus died to reconcile you 
with God. So today we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God. How many of you are interested in this topic or interested in this idea of hearing God's voice? Uh, I find that it's, it's, a, it's a topic that many believers are very interested in, and yet uh, I think we often approach it from this place of maybe fear, uh, maybe thinking we're defective, that I, I, you know, other Christians hear God, other people have a good prayer life. I don't. I don't hear His voice. And we'll talk about some of the reasons why we may or may not hear God's voice today, and as we go over the next couple of weeks, we'll kind of dig deeply into this idea of hearing God's voice. We'll look at sort of what stops us from hearing God's voice. Uh, how we can hear God's voice practically, so on and so forth. But starting from this place of fear and sort of inadequacy that I think a lot of Christians feel, including me, uh, in in case you think I'm up here telling you I figured it out and I know everything about this, no. I actually want to speak to you, uh, hopefully always every week, but especially today from a place of humility as a traveler on the same journey that you were on, that we are disciples of Jesus. We live in a broken, fallen world which is at war in the cosmic spiritual realm. And there are things happening that oppose our uh, capacity to hear God and so on and so forth. But uh, I remember growing up in church, and <clears throat> I hear w- what are called preacher stories. How many of you know what a preacher story is? I-, I always think of it like this, you know, hey, my name is Brother Earl, and uh, there I was. I, I got on the airplane, uh, was o- drove-, drove over my limo from Tyler, Texas, and uh, I live there on Shiny Watch Drive, uh, Golden Throne Ministries, and I boarded that airplane and I felt the Spirit of God come to me and speak to me as I sat down next to that young lady there and the Lord revealed to me her past and I turned to her and I said, young lady, I have something from the Lord for you. And she said, oh, okay. And I said, uh, God told me when you were nine years old, your father left you and your mother alone and uh, she began to weep, that woman did right there. <laughs> and I felt the Spirit of God come upon me so strong and I began to prophesy and she gave her life to Jesus right there, wrote a check for $1 million to my ministry. <laughs> was baptized in the Holy Ghost, began to speak in another unknown languages, and God was greatly glorified. Praise the Lord. You too, if you're like me, can hear God's voice. Do you believe? (laughs) Now, I do apologize if there are any Southerners or people from Springfield here that have that accent. (laughs) Boom! Anyways, (laughs) in case you think I'm above it all, I'm from Southern Oregon, and we say root and crick and, you know, come on. I lived on a ranch in Eagle Point, so I'm, I, got a little bit of the, I got a little bit of that Southerner me, too. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, I always hear these preacher stories, and it's like, man, these guys or ladies, they, they just they hear God. God shows up. He sits down with them. He, just t- he downloads you know, all this information, and I'm just like, Jesus, would you help this girl in youth group like me, please? But he, he doesn't answer me, and everything's cloudy. Come on. You know what I mean? The preacher story, I would always think, man, I wish God spoke to me like that. Now, I'm not saying the preachers were not telling the truth. Maybe that is exactly how it happened. I think, though, what was actually taking place was they were making something, trying to make it seem a little bit more clear than maybe the way that, they, that actually happened. You see, I, I have been on airplanes, and, and I do feel an impression to speak to someone, and maybe God opens up a door for a good conversation. I have had God speak to me uh, and, and give me an insight or, or a perspective on someone's life where maybe I, f- I believe that I had a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom for that person to share, a prophetic word, so on and so forth. But it was never in pure confidence. It was never where I go, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because you know what I find that to be? is I find that to be a, a, a bit arrogant. Uh, I find it to be... You know, some hubris there where, where we, we believe that you know, we're 100% dialed into exactly what God is saying. 
So what I found the actual Christian life to look like is a bunch of humility and a bunch of confidence blended together. There's something beautiful in going, I know God speaks. I know he wants to have a relationship with me. I know he speaks. I know he prophesies. I know he's moving. I know he wants to use me in life. But I also have humility to recognize I'm human. I don't always hear perfectly. I don't always see perfectly. I mean, even the Apostle Paul said, we look in a mirror dimly, like we see dimly, like there's a veil over our eyes. We should have some humility about this topic. But that humility also allows us to operate in confidence, knowing our God is interactive. He speaks to us. So I would hear these stories and I'd say, I wish God would speak to me like that. But as I grew in my, my faith and as I grew in my relationship with Jesus, what I realized is, number one, everybody's different in the way that they hear and respond to God and, and interact with God. Because just like every human relationship, there's a dynamic between you and the other person. And God is a person. He's not an it. Okay? He's dynamic and relational. And, and the way that you hear God and the way you speak to God is going to look a little bit like other people, but it might not be exactly like that. In my life, there were two significant times where I can say, man, I, I really believe in these moments there was a clear, divine, directive voice. Okay? One of them was when I, I was uh, maybe 11 years old, 10 years old, and um, this lady had come and, and preached at our church in Medford there, and her husband was a worship leader. He was playing the piano. And uh, I really clearly... I was really touched in that service. I mean, I just felt God's presence. I go home that night. I remember exactly where I was. I was on the landing. My, my parents have like a split level house and I was in the second area and I was in the hallway and I very clearly, almost like an audible voice, heard God say, Jake, I've called you to be a worship leader. And I just knew in that moment, oftentimes when God speaks, it's not just the words, there's insight. There's, a, there's like a moment that happens right there and you, you know more than you should um, than, than what the words conveyed, Okay. And, and, I, and I saw, you know, in me some gifting and I saw some direction and I began to play the piano. I began to sing. Now, when God spoke that word over me, you know, it didn't happen. I didn't turn into Stevie Wonder overnight. <laughs> yeah, that's superstition. You know, it did, didn't happen. I had to practice. I had to, I had to dig in. You know, I had to learn how to sing, so on and so forth. And my eyes still worked. So, you know, there was things that were, were happening there. But, but I heard God speak that to me and, and it came to pass. It, it happened in my life. It was direction and it was very significant. Another time was when Bethany and I were praying about moving to Eugene and, and we were wrestling with that decision. Do we leave our friends and family? Do, I, do we leave our dogs? Do we leave our house? Do we, do we make this decision? And the Lord showed me a vision. I was getting out of the shower one day and I had this vision and I didn't like fall over and my eyes didn't roll back in my head. I didn't float. Okay. I am very careful when I get out of the shower because I always think, man, if you fall and hit your head, like, you're done. Anybody else? To me, that's a very sensitive time. I treat it like I'm carrying plutonium or something, you know. Make sure there's a rug, you know, just anyways. So I didn't fall over. There was no supernatural moment. But in my head, I saw this picture of a bunch of people coming through these glass doors. Um, and I just knew in that moment, again, it wasn't God didn't show up and I didn't have a southern accent. It was I knew if we make this decision, God will use it to, to, to help a lot of people. Um, and, and I saw this kind of vision, and I knew God was speaking to me. Well, those were very significant times. But other than that, there have been other moments, but it's not... I want to demystify this idea of hearing God. There aren't super people that have some ability to hear God at this different level that you absolutely can't do 
Um, and oftentimes God is speaking in ways that you can understand and that apply to what you're going through in that moment, so on and so forth. I think a lot of people have heard God speak or have had God communicate with them. Let me use that word there. And they weren't aware of it or they, they didn't realize it, but God was with them. He was directing them. I think one of the things that Christians can be plagued with, which is sad to me, and I, I have also deal with this uh, before and today, is this fear of missing God and, and taking a wrong turn and then 25 years later being like, oops, anybody else feel that way? And I will talk to people and they will wrestle like, oh, what do I do in this moment? And, if, and I'm trying to hear God and they're, they're straining and they're striving as if they can, there's something in their brain they need to turn on to, to tune into the signal of what God's saying. And I don't, I don't see the character of God being so capricious and sort of teasing us or leading us along or manipulating us. Well, if you will do such and such a thing, then I would be willing to guide you. I actually believe in the character of God that he loves you and he's not going to let you drive off a cliff in the sense that he is speaking clearly when there are things that are in front of you that you should not do. And he's speaking clearly about what you should do. I believe God makes his voice clear to us. And I think the real issue in our hearing God has less to do with the clarity of God's voice or the presence of God's voice, but more so with our desire to do what that voice is telling us or to obey or to heed or so on and so forth. So people do make life-altering, bad, tragic decisions, but not because they simply didn't turn on the God radar and they weren't listening. It's often that they knew exactly what he was saying and chose to do something else, which is an entirely different message and sermon, right? About human will and so on and so forth. I see two aspects to hearing the voice of God uh, that I think are, are important. And the first one I would say is, is the most valuable and important, which is that God, his voice and his, his, his speaking to us is about relationship with us. That God wants to have this interactive dynamic relationship with you, which grows and, and gets sweeter and better over time in the same way that a human relationship with a good friend or maybe your spouse that if you're investing in that relationship and listening and learning and understanding that person, that relationship grows. That is the first aspect of hearing the voice of God. The second aspect is the one we, we probably worry about more, which we actually should worry about less if we cared more about the first one, and that's specific guidance. God giving you turn left, turn right, don't buy, you know, don't buy that stock today, you know, buy it tomorrow, that type of a thing guidance where we, we are asking God to give us specific guidance. I find that where most Christians struggle when they say, I don't hear God, it has more to do with that they want guidance, they want to know what to do, and they aren't getting the answer that they think they should be, or maybe they don't feel confident in what they think God is speaking. And that's where a lot of the rub is. But the actual biblical concept of God's voice and hearing God, he's a lot more interested in category one which is having a relationship with you in which he walks with you through life in order to deepen you and make you look more like Jesus Christ. We are more interested in, God, should I eat, the, eat, eat Chinese today or Korean food or should I go to Thai or should I wear my red shoes? Or, you know, we're more interested in guidance. God's more interested in relationship, which is a clue there, right? Maybe we should be more interested in what he's interested in and then allow the other thing to take place. But as far as that fear and as far as God's heart, let's lay some foundations here biblically. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay, being afraid of lions and tigers and bears, oh my, that's fine. That's natural fear. This kind of fear is talking about that fear that, 
uh, cripples you, paralyzes you, causes you to lock up and, you know, feeling, uh, is God, uh, is he real? Is he, is he going to, is he going to show me, you know, am I going to miss his will? That's, that fear is not from him. Here's what he gives us, power and love and a sound mind. That in Greek, that, that sound mind phrase is talking about a mind like a steel trap. Your mind is at peace and at rest, focused on God, able to, to hear, able to make good decisions, and, and so on and so forth. Determine your course. That is what God has given us. Not that paralyzing, crippling fear of missing him, okay? That's not from him. That's coming from us, or it's coming from the enemy, but it's not coming from God. The second verse here, Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. This is God's people moving into the promised land, and I believe his heart and his character remains the same today. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. Let's be clear about something. The way that we feel changes on a daily, on an hourly, on a minute basis. How many of you, like me, feel Man, today I don't even know if there is a God. You know, I feel far from God, or I feel that he's far from me, or I just randomly feel that God is mad at me. Anybody else? Like three people. Okay. I feel really alone up here. Four. Okay. Yeah. We're, I, I feel all kinds of things. I feel that when I pray, God isn't, does he hear me? I have these questions. I have these feelings. Here's the reality. When it comes to knowing God, our feelings don't shift or move his character. The reality that I feel that he's not hearing me doesn't mean he's not. The reality that I might feel in a moment that he's not with me or around me or I don't sense his presence or whatever that feels like doesn't take away the fact of God's character and nature that he goes with us. He will not leave nor forsake. He does not leave nor forsake us. The scripture says that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I have a little brother, and man, he was always sticky physically, but also in, in his presence. My little brother, Johnny, now he's a scholar, and he's a man of God, and he's handsome, and everybody thinks he's great. And all I remember is peanut butter fingers, you know, peanut butter fingers all the time. And Lord of the Rings characters always left, and him flooding the bathroom every time he took a shower. You know, he's just, to me, just sticky. And God says, I'm going to be like that little brother. I stick closer than a brother. Hey, I'm still here. You know, could you leave? Nope, still here. That is the fact, regardless of how I feel. Never leave me, never forsake me. Jesus said in, in uh, the book of John, my sheep, hear my voice. If you are a sheep, if you belong to Jesus, you have the capacity, the ability, the birthright. You are flocked. You are in, right? You have the ability to hear the voice of the shepherd. And I know them. Isn't it more important that Jesus knows you than that you think, oh, I really know him? No, he, I'm happy that my salvation and my guidance and my provision relies on the faithfulness and the character of the one who knows me, regardless of the fickleness of my feelings day, day by day, or my capacity to, you know, gussy up some sort of strong faith or belief. No, I hear his voice. He knows me and they follow me. See, hearing God is not just about you heard and now you get to do what you want to do. 
Hearing God is intimately connected and entwined. I would say it's, it's, it's completely woven together with obedience and walking with the Lord, which is why God is much more interested in a relationship with you based in friendship, intimacy, family, and obedience than he is in giving you the right answer to the test you're taking, that you think you're taking in life. Amen? Hearing God is about relationship, about an ongoing conversation. Dallas Willard said this, Hearing God is but one dimension of a richly interactive relationship and obtaining guidance is but one facet of hearing God. As we move forward today, I want to give you, I think this is a dangerous question. I want to clarify some things because we often only share sort of the, what I would call the human-sided, uh, the human side of a, of, a, of a certain idea. So when we talk about hearing God, when I ask people, do you want to hear the voice of God? Do you want to have this interactive relationship with God? Almost all good-hearted Christians are going to say, yes. But I want to stop for a second because there are implications, there are ramifications of saying yes and answering yes to this question, and it changes the whole game. I want to ask you this dangerous question today. Do you really want to hear God's voice? Honestly, do you want to respond to his voice? Do you want to walk in relationship with God? Do you want God to get up in the messy wires under your dashboard and start pulling them down and rearranging them and moving things in your life. Because hearing God is not divorced from obeying God. Hearing God is not disconnected from walking with God. Hearing God is often connected to these really fun things. Sacrifice, surrender, submission. Come on, somebody. And we, we, we've really adopted a, a perspective, again, a human-sided version of the Christian faith, which sort of turns God into this static statue, you know, this, this being that is there when we need him, but when he needs you or he wants you to do something, we sort of ignore him, and then we go, I don't know why I don't hear him. Well, that's because we want him to, to be there to, to give out the blessing cookies when we pray, you know, to make sure the mortgage is paid. But when he says, who's going to go for me to speak? Who's going to go and take the gospel to the nations of the world? Who's going to go and make disciples? Who's going to uh, grow up spiritually and stop being immature and stop being a big, fat, spiritual baby? Stop being a spectator and start being a participant and start being a real disciple. And we're like, I don't hear God. Yes, you do. You don't like what he's saying. Do you want to hear him? Listen to what C.S. Lewis said. Supposing we really found him. It is always shocking to meet life where we thought we were alone. You ever had somebody just walk in on you and you're in the bathroom and you never make a good sound? You know, or you're brushing your teeth and somebody, my kids, they love to, you know, they make grand entrances. You know, it's like, dad, and I'm, ah! you know, it's just scary because you thought you were alone. When you go out into the woods, you know, I'm always nervous that something's going to show up, Bigfoot, when you think you're alone or a bear or whatever. Look out, we cry, it's alive. And therefore, this is the very point at which so many draw back. I would have done so myself if I could and proceed no further with Christianity. Listen, he says an impersonal God, well and good, a subjective God of beauty. This is the God that Americans love. Subjective God of beauty, truth, and goodness inside our own heads, better still. A formless life force surging through us, a vast power which we can tap, best of all. This is where, this is like Disney's version of God. You know what I mean? He's the circle of life. I mean, it's this God who's sort of impersonal, but he's forced, but he, he vaguely likes princesses and princes to get together, you know, and it's good things happen, and it's kind of this force or this power, and 
There might be some bad people, but, but this power will do something about it. He goes on. But God himself, alive, pulling at the other end of the cord, perhaps approaching at an infinite speed, the hunter, king, husband, that is quite another matter. There comes a, a moment when the children who have been playing at burglars hush suddenly. Was that a real footstep in the hall? There comes a moment when people who have been dabbling in religion, man, search for God, suddenly draw back. Supposing we really found him, we never meant it to come to that. We're still supposing he has found us. Christian faith is in a God who is not the God in storybooks or a statue, but a rich, interactive, dynamic, moving, personal God. A book that radically changed my life, really even changed the course of my life, was the book He Is There and He Is Not Silent by Francis Schaeffer. Because it opened my eyes to the reality that God not only exists, the demons know God exists. They believe. It says the scriptures say they believe and they tremble. They know that he's there, but that's not the whole story. The story of the God of the Bible is not just that he is there, sort of this grand cosmic watchmaker that wound it up and lets the universe run its course, but he's not silent. He's speaking. He's interactive. He has requirements and demands and laws, and he wants to know me, but he doesn't, he doesn't want to just leave me as I am. He takes me as I am, but he wants to change me to be who he made me to be, and he wants me to look more like Jesus. And so knowing this God is very different, like C.S. Lewis uses that beautiful imagery of that hunter approaching at infinite speed, that king, that husband, there are things that are going to change. So why don't we hear God? Let me just quickly go through a few reasons. And this is probably all the negative side, okay? And next week we'll get to the positive stuff, all right? But I'm having a good time. Hopefully you are. Number one, why don't we hear God? What are the things that stop us? What are the things in life that sort of get in the way? Number one, he already spoke. This is a, an interesting one because many times we have questions and we're, we're saying, well, I don't, I don't hear the voice of God, but the question has already been answered in the Bible. See, as Christians, we believe that the Bible is God's word delivered and spoken by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, right? All 66 books, and it's final and it's there, but it's not just a dead book. It's alive, and he, speak, he speaks to us through the Bible. So the Bible has sort of two things to it. One, it's never changing. So whenever I'm changing, it's not. So when I maybe feel that the mood of society has shifted in, in regards to a particular moral or ethical issue, I go back to the scripture and it is unchanging and I can reorient and recalibrate my ethical and philosophical and moral compass along to what God is saying. Are you with me? Yes. We're, I, I, don't, I don't have a, the right to go, well, we sort of evolved and we're enlightened now in the 21st century and now our new ethical uh, uh, framework is what we're going to now superimpose on the scripture. A, a Christian has to say, this is what God said. I need to orient my life and my beliefs and my ethics around what he said. So the Bible is filled with already answered questions of many of the deepest things that we are facing as a society. And I'm not going to go deeply into it, but you know, we as a society have many questions that are presented as being very difficult that are not difficult. They were already answered in the scripture. And when we go back to the Bible, we go, well, uh, this makes me uncomfortable because society accepts said behavior, but God's word doesn't. He has not allowed this to be here. So as a Christian, I have to go, well, do I 
Do I go with culture or do I go with scripture? And when we talk about hearing God, we need to say, are the questions I'm asking already answered in his word? Okay? Go back to the scripture. This is why as a Christian, we really value, believe in daily Bible reading so we can continue to get our lenses tuned in to what is true, what is real, what is right, what is good, what did God say? When you, if somebody comes to me and says, I'm not hearing God, and they have a question and it's answered in the Bible, I'm not going to make something up or try to give them a cute sounding answer. I'm going to say, here's what's written. When Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness, when he was tempting him, Jesus didn't say, well, let me answer you out of my own ideas. He said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, right? It is written, right? And he went back to the scripture. So has God already spoke in the Bible? That is the first place of guidance. That is the first place that we hear God's voice. I know as a charismatic Christian, we have this value of the prophetic and hearing the voice of God and that sort of dynamic side, but we need to anchor ourselves to the scripture and never get away from scripture. Has God already spoken in the Bible? Yes, he has. Let's find out what he's saying there. That answers a lot of the questions in life. Okay, the second thing though about God already speaking is sometimes we've prayed and God actually gave us an answer and it either wasn't what we wanted or we weren't we, we, we didn't listen long enough to, to get clarity on that. And he already spoke something and we need to go back to what he said. This has happened to me more times than I care to admit. There was a, a, a man one time, he was 16 or 17 years old. He, he goes to this revival meeting and he, he has this experience with God, this encounter. He goes down to the altar, he's weeping, he's crying. He, uh, he gives his life to Jesus and a prophet comes up to him and says, young man, the Lord has called you to be a missionary to, you know, Timbuktu, wherever. This young man goes, I, I, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. He flees. 30 years later, he doesn't live his life as a Christian. He just turns away from Christ, goes off, lives his life. 30 years later, comes into a church, another place, has an encounter with God, goes to the altar, weeping, crying, Jesus, save me. <laughs> Person walks up and says, sir, so glad to see you here today. The Lord just told me he's called you to be a missionary. <laughs> You know, the, the, the hard thing is trying to outlast an everlasting God, right? He already spoke. Number two, why don't we hear God? We don't like the answer because it crosses our will. Oh, but I, I'm lonely. I want to marry this person. I want to I move forward in this relationship. And you know the Lord's saying, nope, nope. And we hear that. And when I say hear, it might be that you sense, you feel, you, you, it's an impression. I mean, we can talk about mechanics of how we hear God, but you know it's not right. And oftentimes we will use this thing, oh, I don't know what God wants me to do, or I can't hear God, as if confusion invalidates what we know to be true and right. Kind of like Adam and Eve in the garden. Did you do this thing? Well, the woman you gave me, Lord. <laughs> right? triangulation, manipulation, trying to worm our way out of things. If we don't like the answer, that doesn't mean you didn't hear. What, what will happen too is we will hear an answer, but we don't like the messenger that it came through because maybe it was your joy group leader and how could God speak through that idiot? <laughs> maybe it was your pastor, right? Well, I just want to let you know, you, I don't know how you think of me, but the Lord used a donkey in the Bible to speak to somebody so he can use me, Right? He speaks through your spouse when they say, maybe you should like take a break instead of stressing yourself to death. Maybe God speaks through your children when they say, daddy, remember that time when you kicked that plastic kitchen across the room? Oddly specific. 
Uh, maybe God speaks through a coworker who doesn't even know him. Maybe God speaks through a book that you read. How, how many of you know this God who is other, who is spirit, who is not like us, is speaking to us, but he's coming in different ways. But if we don't like the answer, we can easily say, I don't, I don't hear. I don't hear. Number three, we've already made up our mind. We've determined a course of action, and we want God to rubber stamp it, to approve, to validate what we've already decided to do. That is not a relationship with God. It's not honoring God. It's dishonoring God. And I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I have somebody bring in their pre-formulated plan and they want the man of God to sign off on it, to validate it as if when you stand before the eyes of fire that I'll be there to, to vouch for you, I won't. I'll be there on my hands and he's going, Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? No other human or, or other person can validate or rubber stamp what you do. We can help each other, give counsel, give wisdom, but you're going to answer to God for what you said and what you did. And, and, and he knows, here's the scary thing about God, he knows why you did it too. So even if other people cheered for you and you did something, but your motive was impure, he saw that. He wasn't tricked. So sometimes we already know what we're going to do. Man, free will is kind of sucks sometimes. I'm just telling you right now. You know, I almost wish it was we were robots and we were just, you know, there's a switch flipped and we just had to obey, but we don't. And God will allow you to continue down paths and he'll, he'll speak to you. He loves you, but he's not going to force you to do something. And so this is a big deal, is saying, if I am a disciple of Jesus, that means he's the Lord of my life, which means he's in charge. When Bethany and I were praying about coming to Eugene, we didn't want to leave our family. We didn't want to leave our friends. We didn't want to leave our two dogs. We didn't want to leave our beautiful house and go move to a crappy apartment in West Eugene. But God told us to because he needed us here. He wanted us here. And so we said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. To whom else would we go for the words of life? Yes, Lord, because you are master. American Christianity likes to take Jesus and make him savior. That Lord part, eh, that's not my personality. That's not my Enneagram number. Well, I think God knows your Enneagram number. But we've already made up our mind. And so when we've already predetermined a course of action, and we, then we say, well, God, what do you want me to do? But we all, we're already going to do something. That's, you don't hear how many of you are enjoying this today? It's a little painful too. But. No, number four. Number four, it's, it's too loud in our life. There's just too much distraction. Distraction, entertainment, drama, sports, playoffs, ducks, passions, hobbies, other loves, business, whatever comes up. It's not just sin. I think we believe sometimes that, you know, I'm not an open total anti-Christ sin. I'm not, you know, doing really bad stuff. So that means everything's good. And, and really what's going on is we live in a hurricane of distraction. I think that many Christians are, are taken off course more by distraction than by deep sin. Most of the people that come to me are good-hearted, mostly want to do the right thing. We all sin. We all have mistakes. We do have things in our life that are, that are wrong and off. But for the most part, it's not, it's not those life-altering mega sins that take us off course. It's that we spend our life under a blanket of sedation, of entertainment. You know, uh, I forget which atheist it was that said religion was the opium of the people, but the reality is the more real religion you get, the less sedated you are, the more awake you are and freaked out most of the time about what God's going to tell you to do that day. Yes. <laughs> You're pretty awake, pretty woke. <laughs> Distractions, entertainment, drama. There's an old phrase that says you need to pray until you're praying. 
How many of you know the first five to ten minutes of prayer are not prayer? They're you at war with your brain that's like, there's a squirrel. Ooh, a squirrel. <laughs> do you know how when you sit down to pray, immediately you remember everything you have to do <laughs> the rest of your life? You're like, oh, I forgot to pay that bill in 1989, you know? Because <laughs> your brain, your flesh is like screaming in agony to get away from God. And the devil wants you away, and so everything will happen in those moments. And so the first five to ten minutes of prayer are not prayer. They're just getting ready to pray. And then eventually you're quiet, and you're, you're in his presence, and there's the ability to be there and do that. Uh, number five, we're, we're impatient. We just refuse to wait on the Lord. We say it's my terms, my timing, my way. And so I'll have people say, well, I prayed about it and I didn't hear. Well, what do you mean you prayed about it and you didn't hear? You prayed about it once? Don't you remember when Jesus told you how to pray? Jesus himself said you just keep knocking until you get an answer. So this concept of waiting on the Lord, it, it means waiting, <laughs> being patient. I've heard people talk about praying for things for years. And I don't like that because I'm impatient. I want instant answers. I want God to be Burger King. I have it my way, you know, my timing. There was this burger place in Medford when I was growing up. I think it was called, uh, not In-N-Out, but Hot Now. There you go. And uh, they, they had a rule that said if the burgers weren't out at a particular amount of time, it was free. And so we were always like timing them in the drive-thru, you know. <laughs> That's what real poverty looks like, you know, when you're just like rooting for them not to, <laughs> to make it. And that's how we want it to be with God. You know, we meet somebody online and we think, uh, we think you know, oh, I'll pray about this and ask God if it's his will. God, is it your will? Hmm, I didn't hear anything. Guess it is. That's not waiting on the Lord. And what is it doing? It's really spitting in the face of that relationship you have. I used to do this to Bethany. We'd have a fight, argue, and I'd be like, okay, well, I'm sorry. And then I was like, you're better now, right? Everything's good. And she... I need a little time, and what? <laughs> I just nuked her with all the words I said, you know, and I feel good now because I said I was sorry, and I need to wait on her to let her process through. Does that make sense? Yes. So why do we treat God worse than we would treat another human? So we're impatient. Number six, we've grieved the Holy Spirit and need to repent. Is this one of them churches where they talk about sin? It, it is. Here's the reason, because we're called joy, and this is a really joy-filled church, and that's because there's a lot of righteous people here. So in the Bible, it says that the pattern of joy, and this might help somebody today, I'm just going to throw this in the message. This is just not even in the notes. It says the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, it's righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. You know why you have no joy? Because you have no peace or righteousness. Righteousness creates peace. Righteous people create righteous environments and where things are right with people and with God, that creates peace and in peace, joy can flourish. Why is everybody bummed out and depressed in our world when we have the greatest technology and amenities and conveniences of human history? Hot water that comes out of pipes in your house is what kings and emperors would long for in the past. And everybody's bummed out and on every medication under the sun. Why? Because they don't have peace. Their internal life is a big fat hurricane, a mess because there's no righteousness in our own lives and in society. So yeah, we are a church that talks about sin because God has a better plan. And when you're in unrepentant sin, when you know something's wrong and you continue to do it and you continue to exercise your will, God doesn't immediately smite you. 
He's merciful, he's gracious, and he wants all to come to repentance, and he's, he's letting the play develop. But you do, and I do, have free will, and we can do things that are literally breaking God's commandments and breaking the heart of God and creating, leading to more death and destruction and everything in our world and even in our own lives and families, and it can go on and on and on. And then we say, well, why don't I hear God? Well, if you spend your life bruising the relationship, grieving the Holy Spirit, doing things that you, that you know are wrong, and there's no sensitivity to the Spirit of God to come and say, okay, Lord, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to come back into alignment with you. doesn't mean you're perfect. We still depend on the grace of Jesus, okay? But, but there's a sensitivity in our spirit that says, because I care about you, I'm going to honor what you care about. I'm going to honor what I know to be right. And I'm going to not ignore what I know to be wrong. And so if there's unrepentant sin in my life, I deal with it. I come to the foot of the cross. I say, Jesus, once again, please let your blood cover my sin. I come, I come back into you, come back to you for a relationship. Maybe you're just living out of alignment with God's word. Unfortunately, we have a lot of liars and false prophets and teachers in our generation. There's this pastor that I follow on Twitter. The dude is literally sending people straight to hell. And it grieves my spirit because I say, Jesus, you told us about this. You said in the last days there would be people that would tickle itching, tickle itching ears. And they would tell people, oh, you, you don't have to believe the Bible to be a Christian. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to agree with biblical morality. And they take all, all of it away until what you have left just looks like, really, really looks like modern secularism with a cross slapped on like some cheap piece of junk label. And it's not biblical Christianity. It's not authentic. And it grieves me that, that, that a, even a, a preacher who is supposed to be a man of God, who will answer to God for that one day, by the way, is giving people lies. And I won't lie to you. I might say stuff stupid. I'll definitely preach too long like I am right now. Right? And I might be way too aggressive. And I might, you might not like my style points. And I, that's fine. That's fair. But I will not lie to you. There is something about being in alignment with God's word and having a sensitivity towards sin that says I'm part of the family. It's like in a marriage, you know, there's sensitivity about how are we interacting with members of the opposite sex because you're so legalistic? No, because I love my wife. Legalism and freedom look a lot alike. The difference is in the motive which is why a man of God is going to act different than a man who's not of God. Come on, a woman of God is going to act different. They look different than the world. Amen. So we say, well, we're talking about hearing God. Yes, we are. Why don't we hear God? Because if our entire life is out of alignment, it's like we have the satellite dish off by a lot of degrees and the signal's absolutely perfectly fine, but the reception isn't good. And, and usually we actually do hear God and we know we need to repent. <laughs> Right? So it's easier to say, I don't hear, rather than I need to change. I need to, I need to respond and deal with these things in my life. Number seven, we've put other voices first. So experts or wise people or good people or friends or family, they become our first response and prayer is our last resort. And so we dishonor God in our, in our priority of where he stands. And this is easy to do, even good-hearted. I mean, I have the most amazing people in my life. Do you guys know I work like 20 feet away from Mark Harpam? So I could just walk right over and be like, hey, Mark, what do you think about this? He's incredibly wise. I'm married to Bethany. 
Bethany is one of the wisest people. She gives great advice. And I asked Bethany, you know, what do you think we should do? She gives, the other day we were talking about something and I was worried about something and she gave this answer and it was like cold water. It, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It was like so clear, so fresh, so exactly right. And I was amazed at how wise my wife is. And my dad is, is really wise. I mean, you have to get through all the stories that he's told seven times, but once you get through, there's so many incredible people around, but you know what? None of those people are God my Father. Come on. So oftentimes that, that, that reliance on other voices is a way that we sort of obfuscate the issue and we need to get humble before God, wait before Him, and ask Him first. Number eight, which is a, a new one that didn't add in the first service, uh, there's also spiritual warfare. Why don't we hear God? Because there's actual demonic forces that, that stop, want to stop you from hearing God. If you look in the book of Daniel, when Daniel's praying for 21 days and then all of a sudden... Gabriel, the archangel, shows up and says, Daniel, I tried to get here. I was opposed by the prince of Persia, and Michael had to show up and fight with me, and now we have the answer. Maybe, and I, I believe this, in, in life there are times when there are significant moments. There are destiny-defining decisions. Do we move? Do we change you know, careers? Those types of things. And I'm not going to move uh, until I hear from God, and I'm going I'm to understand that there is a spiritual world and the enemy sometimes, when I'm, when I'm walking with the Lord and there's not unrepentant sin in my life and I'm not hearing God, that probably means there's opposition in that moment. So those are some reasons why we don't hear God. None of them are that God doesn't love you. None of those reasons are that you're, you're worse than some other Christian. None of those reasons are you don't, that you don't have the right prayer posture. They're talking about that state of relationship you have with your father uh, that, that intimacy. And as you walk with him, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. What I believe is many of you that perhaps have lived in fear need to first say, you know what? I'm going to not have fear. That's not from God. What I am going to have is faith that he is speaking. And now I'm going to be in tune with how he could be speaking to me and be a lot wider and broader in my capacity to understand how God would guide me that God could speak to me through a sermon. God could speak to me through a book. God could speak to me through somebody's tweet that all of a sudden he, he impresses on my heart. Oh, that's something that I need to think about, right? And as we, as we are walking in relationship with God, we tune in and we know the voice of our shepherd. Now, I'm going to give you a bunch more practical stuff in the weeks to come, but we'll leave it there today. Hopefully something spoke to your heart. I was going to get done early today, but it didn't happen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word today. I pray, God, that we would respond and wouldn't just go in one ear and out the other, but Lord, we would be uh, responsive. That Lord, if there's anything in our life as we went through this list um, that we need to just say, hey, I'm going to lay that at the altar today and I'm going to walk out of here and walk in alignment with God. I'm going to, I want that relationship with God. I accept the fact that God, you are dynamic and relational and you're a person. You're not uh, without feeling. You're not without desire. You're not without uh, asking something of me. But Lord, I want that relationship because I know you have the words of life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are it. You are supreme. You are ultimate. God, we want to know you. and We want to be changed and transformed. Lord, I pray that you would take away that fear that's not from you, that confusion that's not from you. And Lord, I thank you that you've given your people a sound mind. And we are the sheep of your flock. We are the sheep of your pasture. We, you know us and we hear your voice and we follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes for just one more minute. If you're here today and you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, we do this every week because we know that the journey of following Jesus is for a lifetime, but it starts on regular days like January 22nd, 2023.
that there's a spiritual birthday that takes place when a person in their good faith and conscience says, I want to follow Jesus and give him my life. So I just want to give you an opportunity today. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just lift it up high. Pastor Jake, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So many people raising their hand. Thank you. That's awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? We're not going to call you out and embarrass you. Thank you so much. We're just going to pray with you today, and then we'll explain how you can take some next steps if you want to. All right. Pray this prayer with me. Let's all pray it together. Dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me right with God by paying for my sin at the cross. You gave your life for me, and I give my life to you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I put my trust and faith in you and in you alone. I give you my life today. In Jesus' name, amen.